CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel. Streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Roll Pod, an Alabama sports podcast from Bama 247. I am your host, Cody Goodwin, and joining me today on this Sunday evening that we're recording this, whether you guys are hearing this on Sunday or Monday, I think is up to whether or not this gets uploaded on time. But we're here with senior writer John Talty. And John, um, I feel like a book could probably be written about the Iron Bowl, and a book that is written about the Iron Bowl could probably run 300-some pages in each chapter is probably named after each legendary game right punt bama punt bow over the top the comeback kick six what in the world are we calling this one well first off that's a great book idea you should probably keep that one to yourself and try to pitch that one day <laughs> i like that um yeah i mean listen I, I think there are some some great options i was having some fun of it on uh on twitter uh, or x whatever you want to call it um still twitter i mean the I think the ones that seem to have the most staying power are either the mill throw, which I think is fun, um, or the nightmare and Jordan Hare. I think both of those are probably I think yeah, I think those are two of the like you're trying to have fun, but also have some staying power. I think those two, I think fourth and thirty-one clearly is gonna have some staying power. Um, you know, the Alabama Georgia national championship is commonly just referred to as second and twenty-six. So I can see fourth and thirty-one um, working there. Uh, some of the, I mean, there were some fun ones. I'm sure you saw some. I thought some of the James Bond inspired ones were very fun. Um, I have to admit, and I'm sure Auburn fans do not like it, but I did laugh at the disaster in the pastor. Um, I thought that was that was a fun one. Um, I think somebody also was like the hail mary and the dairy. I, I laughed at that one too. I mean, there there were some <laughs> pretty good creative ones out there, um, but I think. What I will probably do will either be mil the mill throw or the nightmare and Jordan Hare. Those are the two that I think I'm leaning toward. What about you? I like those. I liked, uh, I'm not the the foremost 007 aficionado, but I did like from Milrow with love. Um, oh, well, that, that was good. Too. Yeah. I, I also liked a uh, fourth and Milrow. That was good. Um, I'm trying to think Gravedigger, like just because that's the name of the play. Um, which side note, I loved how Saban was like, if there was a name, I wouldn't tell you. And then Isaiah Bond was like, yeah, here's what it's called. Yeah, I got um, it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think fourth and 31, just because second and 26 is held in such high regard. And then like to do it at Jordan Hare on the 10 year anniversary of kick six. Like, I feel like fourth and 31, even if it's not like a factually correct title, because it was like technically fourth and goal. Um, 
I just I feel like fourth and 31 is probably just going to stick just because, you know, they got their get back finally. And also second and 26 just seems to stick. So fourth and 31, I, I don't know. That's probably what I will call it. But, you know, if there's 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 a lot of good options there, which I think has been the fun part of, you know, kind of looking back at it over the last 24 hours or so. Yeah, and I saw, you know, there were some Alabama fans that were like, hey, you know, we just call this a win on a Saturday, blah, blah, blah. So I get it. I understand that mentality, but I want to be like, this is for us. Like, we need something that's a shorthand <laughs> to refer to that game. Like, people know when you case you say kick six, they know what you're referring to. When you say second and 26, they know what you're referring to. Rather than having to be in the 2013 Iron Bowl, like you said, kick six. Yep, know what it was, know where I, know where I was when that happened. And so that's – that's why you need, you know, kind of nicknames or shorthands for games like this, because it just makes it easier to, yep, I know exactly what that was. So I think fourth and 31, to your point, is probably, it definitely has a strong contender. I like some of the ones that have a little bit more to it. I guess maybe that's more of an Auburn thing with, you know, the prayer and Jordan Hare, the kick six, stuff like, you know, um, punt, fam, a punt, all these different names for it. But um, I, I do think some of them are, are pretty funny. Um, yeah. And I will say, uh, I knew I was going to say this on our podcast, you were skeptical of the House of Horrors. You were, you came in, you didn't believe it. You're like, yeah, I don't care. Alabama is so much more talented, blah, blah, blah. They're going to crush them. And I, I just want to hear, and I want our audience to hear, have you learned something having your first Iron Bowl experience uh, at Auburn? I think I learned my lesson. Um, and it was probably, it was when Reichard missed the field goal that I was like, oh, okay, this might be a real thing. Um Cause yeah, I'll, I'll freely admit, like I, I didn't care that voodoo took place at Jordan Hare. I didn't care that Auburn had won two of the last three meetings and the third one that Alabama won took four overtimes. I didn't care that just, you know, like I didn't want to believe in it, you know, because like, it's just goofy and maybe that's just me being the new guy and being naive and whatnot. But I, you know, they, they were the, the way they were able to Auburn was able to bounce back after Alabama looked really good on their first few drives um, and then like, you know, Riker missed the field goal. And then I think it was Auburn's ensuing drive after that, like 16 plays at eight, like eight minutes off the clock. I was like, okay, like I, I think I get it now. Um, which like, you know, this is for better or for worse. Um, you know, we, we do the behind enemy, enemy lines trade, you know, home and home with the other two, four, seven websites. And I did it for Auburn undercover. And I even wrote like, you know, cause they asked for a prediction. I'm like, I, you know, 35, seven is what I told our guys. So I think I need to stand on that because that was already published by the time that, you know, the, the Q and a went up. Um, but I even said, I was just like, I know that weird things have happened there previously, but I just, for whatever reason, I don't see it. And maybe this is an over an overshot on my part, but if it's closer and Auburn makes it a really good game, I'll come back and apologize. So I went back to that thread on Auburn's two, four, seven website and I apologized and they were not in the best mood. So maybe that wasn't the best, um, move on my part. They, they, they weren't very happy with that. They, they said a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna out them. I'm not going to be a narc, but there were a couple of things that I screenshotted because I was like, that's classy. Um, you know, but they, you know, to, to be fair, like if somebody came back in on my turf after my team lost, um, I wouldn't be particularly happy either. So I get it. Like, um, but like, I was, I was impressed. Like I, I was impressed with the way Auburn played like night and day difference from their embarrassing loss to New Mexico state. Um, I was impressed by what they were able to do against a, an Alabama defense that we thought 
had a lot of brick wall qualities. Like they've just been very, very good at a lot of different aspects. And just the reason I thought Alabama was so, I, the reason I thought they would win comfortably is because like Auburn's strength just matched up against Alabama's strength. And I just, you know, defense tends to win out more often than not. Um, but obviously I didn't take into account the Jordan hair voodoo that takes place. Um, and it was, it, it was a lot of fun. I learned my lesson, but it was a lot of fun and I am excited for the next one because I just, you know, I just, I didn't believe it. And now I do. And, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe fourth and 31 exercise some demons. So who knows if the voodoo is actually going to be real next time. I, the, the last decade since kick six, um, you know, maybe that was the hex and fourth and 31 kind of relieved Alabama of that. I don't know. There's just something about it. And obviously you got to experience it like that place for a big game. It's just, it's pretty, pretty incredible. I mean, it's just, it's, it gets very loud. The fans are very into it and you can just feel, and I felt like, when that touchdown got called back on a CJ Dupree holding penalty, where they would have went up 14 nothing, I felt like that was a massive turning point where it felt like, all right, you get up 14 nothing, kind of take the crowd out of the game. You really put the pressure on Peyton Thorne. And it felt like if that happens, they scored and it came back, but if that touchdown stays, like, it was like, all right, Bama's just going to start rolling, right? And then comes back, they don't score. And then, you know, Auburn goes down and scores and ties it up 7-7. You think, okay, like, here here we go. Here, here comes what happens. And I'd be curious. Obviously, he would never admit this. But we've seen in the past, I feel like with Jimbo Fisher, I think with Wayne Kiffin, where you see exotic stuff when they play Alabama, where it feels like they held back some of their best stuff. All right, when we play Alabama, we're breaking out all the motions. We're doing all these different things. And so for them to play as just – and I watched a lot of the game the week before as pitifully as they did against New Mexico state. And then to come out and play as well as they did against Alabama. Now I don't think Alabama played great, but I do feel like Auburn played pretty well. I thought they executed well. I thought they had some interesting um, play designs that clearly were meant to confuse Alabama that, you know, Hugh freeze who has had success against Nick Saban. It was obviously a big storyline heading into the game that, you know, he might've held back some things thought, you know, Hey, I don't need to, burn this against New Mexico State. Let's let's rock this against Alabama. And uh, we saw we saw them, you know, give them everything they could handle. And it felt like at moments like Auburn could just do whatever they wanted offensively. And we really have not seen that against this Alabama defense very often. You know, there are moments, I think, against Texas where it felt like Texas could kind of do what it wanted. Um, there are moments, you know, with LSU, especially in that first half, um, felt like they could do what they wanted. But by and large, this Alabama defense has been very good. We've said numerous times we think they're championship caliber. And, uh, you know, they, they took a beating at times against Auburn. And uh, that would be – and we'll, we'll hit on this at the end. But that would give me some pause about Georgia and what Georgia's capable of doing that, you know, there's a little bit of a, a playbook here of you know, how you can really give uh, Bama some problems. Yeah, no doubt. Um, we're almost 10 minutes in. We're here to discuss Alabama's 27-24 win over Auburn. Um, thrilling, exciting latest chapter in the Iron Bowl history. Um, and it was, it it was, man, I where, like, was, was Auburn's ability to do what they did? Like, was that your biggest takeaway? Or like, what was kind of your instant big picture reaction to the game? Just the fact that Alabama survived, that Auburn was able to yeah, execute, I mean, like, yeah, I think for me, I mean, it's kind of the the column that I ended up writing was that, you know, there's just something about this team. And, you know, I don't want to call them a team of destiny. I think if they beat Georgia, then then maybe that is kind of the the moniker that you give this team. But it just 
it just feels like they find these ways to win these games that you feel like should not be winnable. And I don't think that'll ever feel more apparent than, than that game, you know, last night. And, you know, that, especially that end of stretch where it takes a muff punt um, in which the guy returning uh, the punt is not the guy who Hugh Freeze was returning the punt. I mean, that's just a weird kind of fluky thing. They get Goofy. the ball and then, you know, and you, you know, I know you did a great job writing, writing about that. And then, you know, just what happens that final drive with the, you know, Seth McLaughlin snap. And, you know, I know that there's, some, uh, there's Nick Saban talked on Sunday about, you know, basically confirmed without confirming that an Auburn player clapping, you know, might've caused some of that where Jalen wasn't ready for it. They lose that was it 18 yards. And, and I just, when you, when you're watching that play, you know, again, this is not an Albion team you ever give up on, but like, I mean, the the chances of success of winning that game in that moment, I think ESPN had it, what, like 99.7% that Auburn was going to win. I mean, that's pretty unbelievable. But there have been other moments this season uh, where it felt like, all right, Albion was going to lose, you know, and we got kind of ready. All right, let's prepare what we're going to talk about, what we're going to write about. And then they found a way to win. And so I just think everything is on the table. It's been on the table for this team. I think it gives you confidence heading into next week that even though they're obviously going to be an underdog and are an underdog and George deservedly is the favorite that, you know, could I see something weird happen in that game? Absolutely. That's just who this team is. And it, it might just be at the end of the season, we look back and be like, that was this team's special quality, that they had that resilience that they never folded, even when they probably should have. No, that's I, that's exactly kind of what my takeaway was. Like the game was more or less a microcosm of their entire season. Like think about a lot of the things that they have struggled with over the course of the season. Um, you know, the, the bad snaps like that has been an issue literally since week one. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that, um, you know, the offense at times, you know, they 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 lo- it looked ineffective, especially late in the game. They had back to back three and outs. And, you know, after the second one, the, the, after the second three and three and out was the, you know, the punt that led to a fumble. Um, or the muff punt, but you know, then that, you know, that's the idea of this team finding a way to come up with big plays. Like we've seen that game after game after game, and they were able to do it again in this one. Um, you know, Milrose running ability has really helped open up the offense through the second half of the season. And he wasn't doing much of that in the first half. And then he started doing a little bit more in the second half and it helped, you know, at least get the offense in position. Um, you know, we saw some, really silly penalties that wipe touchdowns off the board. Like they've, you know, I, it, it has been a while since we've seen that, but like they have had eight touchdowns pulled off the board this season due to penalties. And most of it, you know, like two against Texas, like that was a big one, but like I, you know, up into the A&M game, like they had had six, you know, and we didn't see it for a while. And then boom, two in this one game and, you know, Jordan hair voodoo, whatever, but like through it all, Alabama found a way to overcome all of that, and especially on that last offensive series, right? Like loss of one, bad snap, penalty, fourth and 31. Through all of that, they were able to overcome it and do something miraculous. And now we're sitting here talking about an 11-1 football team that is, you know, on the doorstep of the college football playoff. They're going to be playing top-ranked Georgia for an SEC title. Like, not something that we would have thought after week two or week three. And yet, they have figured out a way to get into this position. And you you can argue that like with the talent on this team that they always should have been here, but it was not an easy road to get here. And that game was not an easy game for them to win. And yet somehow they did. And somehow here they are. Um, it was it, it was kind of fun to see them go through all of that in a single game, but also like, you know, to be able to chronicle everything that they've 
gone through this season. Um, it's been fun and entertaining. Yeah, and I think it's to be cheesy for a second. I think this is in part why you know Nick Saban always talks about you know the process and and not just the results and and really kind of focusing more on the journey because you're right. Like I remember before the season, I picked Alabama to go 11 and one, and I remember writing, I think they nailed lose to it. One. Well, as almost 100 percent nailed. I said I think they're going to lose to one of the two Texas schools. Everyone's picking Texas. I'll pick A and M, but I think it's one of the two that happened, right? And so. I, if I fast forwarded from when I made that prediction to right now, I'd be like, yep, nailed it. This is exactly what we thought. But having lived it week to week, it, there are many times where I thought that wasn't going to happen, right? Because it was so up and down. There were so many questions. There were so many times where it felt like if it just breaks this one other way, they're going to lose. And so I think it's what's made this season so exciting. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast. And, you know, I know. Fans have had to kind of grapple with it. They, they love the joyless murder ball where the result is certain the moment the game kicks off. And that's just never been this team. And, you know, I think if, it, if they can keep winning, I think we've seen fans appreciate them more and more. And I know that I've appreciated that. Like, it's always interesting. There's I can never I, I would say heading into this Iron Bowl because you kind of sucked me into I said all year House of Horrors, House of Horrors. And I think my prediction, I still picked them to win pretty convincingly. I kind of bought into it. And it was probably the game that I felt most sure of outside of, of course, UT Chattanooga, that they were they were going to win now. And then it came down to the most improbable Iron Bowl moment since the kick six. And so it just shows this team is, is fun. Um, it's aggra- aggravating. It's exciting. It's it's all those things. And like you said, it's we kind of got it all in that game and, I think it's going to be exciting to see, you know, what what do they have in store for us uh, against Georgia and what's going to be, you know, by far their toughest test yet. Yeah. Uncheck the joyless murder ball box and put a full <laughs> big red check in the just win, baby, win box, because that's that's all they needed to do. And that's all they've done. Survive in advance. You know, that's that's what it's been. And uh, I do think it's been joyful, though. That's what's, what's kind of interesting is that I think fans love the joyless Nick Saban, but. He's been more joyful. I mean, even just, and you wrote about this on uh, on Bama 24-7, like, you know, him just kind of how he walked in and how he started talking about it. It's just like, what do you even really want me to say? I mean, he's done that a couple times this year of this team, which is like, he just kind of smiles and shakes his head. It's just like, I, I don't know any more than you guys know, right? And I think that's, it kind of, there's a bemused aspect of Saban that I think is kind of joyful that like, this is a weird team and he's just trying to do everything he can to get him across the finish line. Yeah. And I know I've made this comment before, you know, whether I've written it or, you know, I've said it here on the show or in other interviews, like he's thoroughly enjoying coaching this team because they have just steadily gotten better every single week. Like how often, like you've been covering Alabama for a long time. How often do they hit a a high profile week one matchup, like Alabama Clemson, Alabama, Florida state, Alabama, somebody, and they just smack them week one, you know, 49-7, like the joyless murder ball. And it's like, well, Alabama's going to be good again. And then people kind of forget about them until the bigger games or the SEC championship game or Alabama-LSU, Alabama-Auburn, whatever. Um, this was not that team. Like, yes, they smacked Middle Tennessee State, but their first big test, Texas, they lost by 10 at home. Like, and they looked bad, you know? Like, it was just – it was different. It's not what people were used to. And since then, just – They've steadily climbed the ladder. Like Milrow got better. The defense tightened up. Like the defense kind of returned to the old form of, you know, some of those early Saban tenure defenses, Um, you know, but like Milrow had to, you know, steadily improve. 
with his transformation, the offense has taken flight. And with the confidence of knowing how good the offense can be now, like the entire team just kind of radiates an aura that they didn't have through the first few weeks of the season. And it's, it's been really fun to watch. And it's just, you know, instead of blowing out another top tier team in week one, and then it's like, okay, like how are, how are they going to score 40 points this week? It's like, no, like, you know, what's Milrow going to do this week? Like, it, what, what is he going to improve on? Is he going to run the ball? Is he going to throw it deep? Is he going to throw it low? Like, he's going to throw it short. Are they going to run the ball? Like, is the offensive line going to be better? Like, there's just been a lot of little things that we've kind of had to keep tabs on. And, you know, it's it's been fun to watch the entire operation improve and get better, um, you know, which is like, one, the point of like sports as a whole. But two, like, you know, with a team this talented, it's like, well, duh. But it's also like, that's never a guarantee. Like they could have very easily lost a lot of those games in the middle of the season, um, you know, but they found ways to win and position themselves to where they're at now. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think that the the guys that we work with at 24-7 Sports, you know, do an incredible job with with talent, eval and, and rankings and all that. But I do think we're, we're entering into, and I think they've, I think we've written about it some too. And it's, you know, like there's that 20, 2021 period where because of pandemic and not able to, you know, get guys in person, things like that, where I think it, it's led to a weird kind of blip where like, yes, Alabama on paper, some might say it's maybe as talented as it's ever been. But when you look at your eyes, like this is not as talented as some of the teams that I've seen them have in the past. Now they have multiple guys who are going to play in the NFL and things like that. But I, I mean, I can even think back to that 2020 team that was during the pandemic, but just absolutely just routed through all of college football with all the talent they had. I mean, it was just absurd. You watch them like, yeah, this team is by far and large way better than everyone. Pretty much they're going on the field against. I haven't really felt that way that often this season. Um, and so I think that's something that, you know, we, we build it off a lot of off recruiting rankings, which I think are, I'm a big believer in their value and, you know, all those different things, obviously. But I, I do think that just these kind of teams, I think it'll fix itself in the next year or two, but I just think that some of these teams of the 20. 2020 2021 guys we've just seen more more misses more busts i think out of that class just because of the reality of of not being able to eval those guys in person and uh, just some of the other things that happened during that time frame yeah no i think that's totally fair um be kind of interesting to see how things level off over the next you know maybe couple years or so once kind of the, the the covid kids i think as we refer to them cycle their way through um back to the iron bowl offense had some highs, had some lows. There's times where it's like, yep, that's the Alabama offense we've seen. There were other times where it's just like, what in the world is wrong? Um, we've alluded to it a little bit, but what was uh, what was one thing that you liked about the way Alabama played on offense uh, against Auburn? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it just it was a weird game where, at, like you said, at times it felt like it was it was working. Um, I mean, I liked that, and you kind of hit on this already a little bit that like. There were times in the first half, I'll give you an answer of what I didn't like, but then it leads to what I like that. Like there were times in the first half and I think that, you know, Auburn was using it spy at times, but it felt like there were moments where Jalen could have gone. And I don't know if it was hesitancy or I mean, they ended up having two penalties where he should have just ran and then ran across the line and tried to throw a pass, which was kind of a weird hesitancy from him that I don't think we've seen quite as much, um, especially recently. Um, but I felt like he was much more effective running the ball um, in the second half. I mean, there were multiple long runs that he had. Um, that one um, where, I mean, it's still kind of shocking he didn't get the first down when kind of collided with Nehemiah Pritchett, one of the more violent collisions. Um, Stoned him. 
That yeah, I mean, crazy. that was pretty wild. But, I mean, that was still like a 19-yard run. I mean, he it was one of those where he was much more willing to take off and say, you know what, like, if I need to get the yards, it's dire. I need to do it. And so maybe that was just part of it, too, of like, hey, let's try to protect you a little bit. And then, you know, there's obviously games to come. But by the second half, it's like, you got to go. I don't, I don't know if that was what the adjustment was. It felt like it might have been something like that because it just didn't feel like he was that willing to do it in the first half. In the second half, as things really kind of ratcheted up, it felt like he was willing to do it more and was effective in doing it. And I think when he does that, it just feels like the offense opens up so much more. It becomes so much more dynamic and so much more difficult to stop. Uh, when you've got a guy like that, and we saw it, and I think we talked about it with LSU, Jane Daniels, like when you have a guy who can do both, it's just, it, you just kind of, you just always on your heels, right? And I think that's something that Miller brings to the table. And so, I like that we saw it in the second half. And I, you know, I think I just talked myself into a theory as to why it didn't happen more in the first half, but I am still kind of curious why, why we didn't see more of that. A little bit of spy um, from Auburn, um, you know, and then also just, it seemed like it was a lot of hesitancy from Milrow, which is also like, I mean, that was one of the things I didn't like. I think the biggest thing I didn't like about the offense was just the penalties, taking the touchdowns off the board. Like you cannot do that next week. Um, It's more of like a big picture thing. Um, and again, we hadn't seen it like after the AM game, they had a stretch where just offensively, they just, they played a lot cleaner football and they didn't, you know, take points off the board. Um, cause you're going to need as many points as you probably get next week against Georgia. Um, but yeah, like, I liked that Milrow was able to overcome all of this stuff and still find ways to make plays. Like it's very, it, it sounds very coach speak and cliche, but like when Saban's like the biggest thing we had to teach him was just like play the next play right like don't let the last play impact you know and it sounds very coach speaky and sometimes we'll roll our eyes but like when you watch it in live action like it's a very impressive trait to have and you know I don't know if you went and watched you know certain replays but like when he throws fourth and 31 like they catch like Bond catches it everybody goes crazy the sideline erupts and Milrose very like calm looks to the sideline, like, what are we doing? What's next? You know, Saban's holding up one finger, just kick the extra point. Um, Just very calm about the whole thing. He was very calm about the bad snap. He was very calm about the penalty again, which was just dumb, like two illegal forward passes. Like, what what are you doing, bro? But like, just to be able to compartmentalize everything and like to see it in real time in a very, very crucial game, crucial moments all throughout the second half. Um, that to me was like super impressive. Um, and it's, you know, if something were to happen next week, I think there should be a lot of confidence that he can flush it and move to the next thing and, you know, be able to put his best foot forward. And, and, you know, if not erase fully the mistake, at least, you know, try and stay, take a step back in the right direction. That just the mental toughness and resiliency from Jalen Milrow, like that he's able to show it um, bodes well, obviously for Alabama's offense, because if he's showing it, everybody else is going to feed off that. Right. And I think that, and you know, I know you weren't here for it last year, but you went through the whole rewatch. Like I thought that was one of Bryce Young's best characteristics and best attributes. It's just that you felt like he always had that calming presence. You never felt like he panicked. Um, there were so many moments last year where I felt like, you know, things are collapsing around him and he just always felt like he was going to figure it out. He wasn't going to overly react. And I do think, like you said, it, it can be coach speak or whatever, but there's, when you think about it in your own life, like you make a mistake and, you know, in poker, it's, you know, going on tilt, whatever you want to call it, but like you make a mistake and like, can you take a step back, center yourself and then do it right? Or do you kind of double down and make another mistake? I mean, I know that I get frustrated at myself and sometimes it leads to an even bigger mistake in something I'm trying to do because I'm rushing or whatever it might be. And so um, that's a huge skill to have uh, in your quarterback because like you said, everybody feeds off of that. And I think 
there are moments where, you know, we've talked about the, where the hesitancy from Jalen might have offense might have fed off of that because it did look at times where, you know, we said this a lot earlier on in the season where it just felt like Alabama just wasn't willing, just couldn't put teams away, you know, where it felt like where's that killer instinct. And in the first half, I kept thinking, all right, this team is clearly better. You just got to kill them and be done with it. Kill them in front of the crowd, gladiator style, right? In front of the Coliseum and then be done and move on. And that that's what, that's what you had to do this Auburn team. That's what you have to do in environments like that. You have to kill them early. Uh, before they build confidence and it felt like there were so many chances for them to do that they just couldn't do it and that's 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 an issue and it's you know we've seen other teams uh have that same struggle when they travel to Auburn but that that was uh concerning to me but then you know obviously the heroics in the second half uh you know that's what you're going to think about more you can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24 7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. The defense, they, they got Hugh freezed. Um, it was just, they, it, they played as poorly as they had I all season, probably like, I know Sark got the best of them, but most of that was through the air. Um, you know, Texas didn't really have a ton of success running on them. No team has had a lot of success running on this Alabama team. I think going into this game, they had faced like four of the top five rushers in the sec and held three of those four to well below their per game season averages. The only one that didn't was Jaden Daniels, LSU's quarterback, because nobody has stopped that guy this season. Um, except I guess maybe Dallas Turner. Um, if we, you know, just because he took him out of the game, but like, what would we think of the defensive performance? Like, was there anything to like about it or what, what was your overall assessment? Um, not great. Uh, is what I would say. I mean, what's, What's interesting about it was that, like, and again, I, I kind of already gave credit. I thought I thought they did a great job. I thought they had a great game plan. But if you look at it from purely a macro sense, like Peyton Thorne, not very good at throwing the ball. They are a team that likes to run the ball. Alabama's good at stopping the run. It, it just felt like, like you said, strength on strength. Like, all right, sell out to make Peyton Thorne beat you in the air. He's not going to be able to. And it's, you know, we saw – Jerry Kill, New Mexico State, be able to do that. And they just, you know, they look bad. And that's what I thought the game plan was going to be. That's what you expected it to be. And, I mean, Peyton Thorne was putting them on skates, man. It was pretty impressive for that guy. Um, and, you know, I obviously already had a lot of respect for, you know, Darquez Hunter and just what he's able to do. But, I mean, they just – they were running the ball hard. Uh, Bama did, did not have a great answer for it. It didn't look – I haven't done the rewatch, so – maybe you have a better sense in this, but just on the initial watch, it felt like, you know, Deontay Lawson and Jalen Key coming back. It felt like both of them were maybe, especially Deontay, maybe a step slow. Um, didn't feel like they were a hundred percent game speed. Um, and that's obviously understandable uh, coming into a uh, game after missing some game, missing some time, but it just, it just felt like, they, I don't know. It's, they just were just a step slow. It felt like at times and Auburn, obviously when they've got that kind of speed ball thing going where it just, you know, that, that rhythm and momentum. And I mean, that's, you could go back to 2013, 2014, 
people writing stories, including myself, about how Alabama struggles against that. And it's just something that I think is, I mean, I think everybody struggles against it, but it's just something that I think Nick Saban, you know, and Alabama have struggled against. Uh, they've made a lot of adjustments to try to handle it in terms of their terminology, how they call plays, all these different things. But at the end of the day, it just a quarterback who can run and a fast up tempo offense is going to give Alabama some problems. And, uh, you know, we saw that. Hugh Freeze is, is good at attacking uh, Nick Saban. And that's uh, in part why Nick Saban wanted to hire him. You know, there's a lot of respect there uh, for what Hugh Freeze is capable of doing. And uh, we saw that. So not everyone can do that, but you know, big picture wise, like that defense, I was not, not encouraged. And I think, again, knowing what Georgia is capable of, it's kind of like, you know, you know, you've got jaws coming up next week that like that, can they capitalize on similar things that, that would be, that would be the concern. Yeah. I think the, the one thing that kind of stuck out and I noticed this in game um, because they, (laughs) Auburn's quarterbacks combined to go six of 17. So there wasn't a lot of passing success, but the one drive that they actually did have passing success um, was the drive that I believe they went down to take the 21 to 20 lead um, where Thorne hit, like there was just two big passes. Like it was a five play 75 yard drive. um, And they hit, he hit both of those passes to, um, you know, Javarius Johnson, like he had that 37 yarder down the middle of the field. And then he had that 27 yard touchdown. Um, just like real quick, bang, bang. And the, like what stood out about that specifically was like both the plays where Johnson got open, um, pre-snap motion into a stacked alignment that caused Alabama secondary, a lot of confusion. And we saw that last year against Tennessee. We saw that last year against LSU. We saw it again earlier this year against Texas. We thought that maybe they had kind of figured some things out against some, you know, against like LSU, for example. I know they had that one bust early in the game, but then after that, Jaden Daniels kind of took over. Um, This game, it kind of came back. It was a combination of like Hugh Freeze knowing what Alabama secondary struggles with, using that. But then also like, you know, that led to that one touchdown. But Freeze was able to use a lot of motion and stuff to open up stuff in the run game, too. They run a lot of like RPO stuff. Um, which feeds right into Peyton Thorne. Robbie Ashford got some snaps and he ran the ball. Jarko's Hunter ran the ball really hard too. Um, you know, the, the Alston also ran really well, like what, 8.5 yards of carry. I mean, they stacked up 272 rushing yards when you adjust for sacks as seven yards a pop. And so what they were doing was like a lot of pre-snap motion to kind of move the linebackers. Like it wasn't quite the same as Sark's, you know, motion-based matchups for passing game. Well, the, Auburn was doing it to create, running lanes like they were you know let's pull this linebacker out of here or let's pull these guys over here and then we'll run that way and you know you you hit on it too because I asked both Terry and Arnold and Malachi Moore afterward like you know you guys have been very good against the run they ran it down your throat like was this just stuff that they hadn't been doing um and it wasn't like not that it wasn't on tape but it wasn't something that they did a lot of and so a lot of the stuff that they were doing I don't want to say they saved it for Alabama but they probably saved a lot of that stuff for Alabama. Like, you know, Terry and Arnold's one of the, he's a film room junkie. Like this was not something that they saw a lot of on film. Like he just readily admitted that. And it was just, you know, he got them at, that the motion got the defenders out of their gaps. It got, you know, and then it met you. I mean, you hit on it too with Jalen key and Deontay Lawson, not being at a fully 100% or at least not at a hundred percent game speed. Like that made an impact, you know, because that's just, if you're not at a hundred percent game speed, and there's a lane that opens, you're not fast enough to close it. That can be the difference between a two yard gain and, you know, some cases 10, 15, 20 yard gain. And that's, you know, Alabama had only given up three runs of 40 yards or more this season. Auburn had two in the first half. Like 
you know, just because they were able to get to those creases and they have good athletes over there. And it was it was stunning to see. And Saban admitted as much that like, yes, like Auburn was going to come in. They were going to run the ball. It seems like no matter the year, no matter the coach, no matter the personnel, Auburn is always going to run the ball. I think back to like 2013 after kick six when they just beat the tar out of Mizzou in the SEC championship game. They ran for like 600 yards. Like they just this is what Auburn does. Right. And so the combination of that's the game plan. They executed it flawlessly and also. Alabama, the early penalty that took the touchdown off the board. So instead of going up two scores early, it's seven, seven, like that played right into Auburn's hands. And that's why the game got weird for a minute. And Alabama was never able to kind of put their foot on Auburn's neck and Auburn was able to hang around. And, you know, that's, that's at least what I saw. And it was very, very impressive execution. And also like a little worrisome because, you know, that pre-snap motion, mobile quarterbacks, strong running backs. Like these are things that we have been talking about for most of the season is like, look, this can give Alabama's defense fits. The pre-snap motion stuff has routinely given Nick Saban's defenses fits. And there's a lot of it on tape, you know, both as successful rushing offenses and with Texas successfully using it in the passing game. Georgia's got a lot of weapons, man, like to quietly, you know, quickly glance ahead. I know we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a minute, but like, Georgia's got a lot of film that they can look at and say, okay, this is how we can attack as long as everybody's healthy and good to go. Like that's, that was what I did not like. There was not a ton to like about Alabama's defensive performance, but that was, I don't know. I feel like if I don't stop now, I'm going to keep rambling about it. No, but I think you're hitting on an important part that I think is both relevant in this discussion and also relevant moving forward is that obviously as the old saying goes, it's about the Jimmy's and Joe's, right? You got to have the athletes and personnel to be able to have a shot to, to beat teams like Alabama and Georgia, but then it's the knowledge, which you just hit on. And then finally, it's just, it's being able to be creative enough to take all of that and deploy it in a way that, you know, is going to cause the other person strife and, and tension. And that's, I think ultimately sometimes we forget how so much of, Football is really just a chess match, you know, and I think guys like Hugh Freeze and Nick Saban, because of their knowledge of each other, they know exactly what gives the other one problems. And I think back to uh, after Wayne Kiffin left uh, Alabama, and I think it was maybe 2021 um, when Ole Miss was just given Bama fits to the point where I think Saban even was like wondering if they had their signals and ultimately said like Kiffin took everything he knew that I had said I did not like dealing with and tried to do all of it against me. And that's, that's kind of the fun part of coaching. And that's what, you know, sometimes it's an overplayed storyline, but you know, when guys like Saban and Kirby smart go against each other, they both know a lot of just from a decade plus worth of time in a room together. They know what the other one likes to do, what they don't like to do. And then it's just, okay. How do I use that knowledge knowing that you also know it? There's like that kind of like, you know, that I don't like doing this. So I'm going to try to do this to not do that. I mean, you can make your, put your head in a pretzel as I'm doing right now, but it's just a fun trying to figure out it's a cat and mouse game in some ways. And I think, you know, I think in many ways, Hugh Freeze won that game against Alabama and Nick Saban. Um, now we'll see. And I think, I'm, I think I'm rambling a little bit here, but to kind of wrap it up, Saban got asked about it today in a teleconference where, Two years ago, Alabama looked awful against Auburn. Uh, I think they gave up like eight or nine sacks. They find a way to win. And then they play Georgia in the SC Championship game. And everybody thought Georgia was going to win. And it was the best Alabama looked all season. And it looked like they had a whole different game plan. The offensive line looked great. 
and they end up winning that game. And it was like, whoa, man, they just threw a, a knockout punch on Georgia. That to me is what's going to be interesting about moving forward is how, how do you take this experience and spin it um, against a Georgia team that you know has not lost since that 2021 SC championship game. Yeah, no, that'll be that'll be very, very interesting. Um, we'll get to that part of the conversation in a second. I did want to say there there was one thing I liked about um, the defensive performance, and that was um, Terry and Arnold playing lights out and also padding his uh, Thorpe resume with two interceptions. I know yeah. one was in garbage time in the first half, and the second one was obviously garbage time in the second half. But um, hey, like he also I think he also had a pass breakup. Like you, you know, just. Dude's probably going to be a first round draft pick in the spring. Um, so, you know, shout out I to Darian Arnold. Note here too. I, I, I've watched multiple replays. I still haven't really seen him step out. Now, I know that doesn't mean I have mean a anything. screenshot that I can send you. He really Do you think he actually line. is out? Yeah. Okay. I'll take back. Because I, because I, at first I thought he took it back too. Because when I sent the initial like final score tweet, I put 33-24. Um, but then they came like right as I hit send, they came over the intercom and said like, he stepped out of bounds, game over. I was like, oh, okay. Then I, like, obviously we had a mad dash down to the corner to go talk to Saban and all them. Um, but then when I watched it on the replay, he, he, it's very quick, but he steps out. Um, unfortunately. Because Al him, Michaels would say that game meant something to some people out there. That play specifically yeah. meant something probably to a lot of people. Yes, exactly. Um, I think we know what the play of the game is, um, no but do we have, are there other key plays that you wanted to highlight or should we just go ahead and skip ahead to who we think the game MVP is? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, you wrote about the other one. I think that that muff punt, I think was huge. Um, that was, I think one of the other, you know, really major plays of the game and that all obviously kind of they're linked together um, in history. Um, I think, I think one person suggested from Muff to Milrow. Um, I don't know if that one's got staying power, but you know, I thought that was uh, that was an interesting one too. But um, yeah, to me, those are the two main main plays. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of other plays that happened that were interesting and all that, but those two, you know, those swung the game. Yeah, no, big shout out to uh, Jihad Campbell, who one got a lot more snaps in the second half because he's just he's a faster linebacker. No offense to Tresman Marshall and a less than hundred percent Deontay Lawson, um, just. Dude flies around, makes plays. Um, we He obviously had the scoop and score against Tennessee, um, has gotten a lot of playing time because of the injuries to Lawson and Marshall. And so, like, him just being at the right place at the right time, like, kudos. Um, also, big shout-out to punter James Burnup for the five seconds of hang time, which allowed Campbell to get down there and recover the ball. Um, and also, like, side note, Hugh Freeze had no idea that it was his backup punt returner out on the field, which I wild that you don't now know. in his defense. The one thing I will say in defense is that they have the same Jersey number, which is also wild. Yeah. Now, now I don't understand that part of it. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not a smart man, um, but like them at least being the same number, I could see be a little bit like vantage point. All right. Zero. Yeah. That's whatever. And then, but the fact that he still didn't know, after the game and had to be told by reporters, Hey, no, it was actually uh Corey Moore. And, and um, instead, like, he was just like, I don't know. I got to ask my special teams coordinator. Like that's just wild. And that's the stuff that I think also like sends fans like, you know, freaking out. And that's one thing I will say, not that we need a elongated like uh, comparison here, but like, that's something you don't really see Nick Saban do. Like he always, He's very purposeful when he goes into those situations. Like he doesn't want to get caught off guard by that. Like he's gonna know, yeah, it was this guy. Like you just don't see him make those kind of errors post game. Um, and that's you know just one of those tiny little things that like 
I think fans respect about him that like he doesn't there's not that thing that people can really latch on post game um outside of I guess some of his his punt return stuff he's talked about this year um the way that I think fans were like what are you doing how do you not know yeah no that's just probably more of an Auburn storyline but still just like when I read that I was like excuse me um so that was yeah one of the one of the many interesting plays at the end of that game that ultimately led to the final decision game MVP. Do you have one? Is there one? I mean, I think it's one of two people, right? I think it's, if you want to, you want to do a cop out, you can just give it to both Jalen and Isaiah. Um, you know, Isaiah's moment there. I think you could give it to him. Um, but I mean, ultimately, yeah, I mean, it was great. Uh, but I mean, Jalen, obviously what he was able to do to, to, to make that happen at the end, I think either one of those, I think is a, uh, a worthy option just given the improbability and then to, to deliver that the way that they did. Yeah, no, I think um, I'm, I, I would go with Milrow for all the reasons that we have talked about, just the, the resiliency, the, the production, like he passed for, you know, what were the final numbers passed for 259 yards, ran for another 107, um, two touchdown passes. And here, another crucial part of this that I think gets lost in it, yeah. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Um, that's more or less the the iron ball. We normally end these podcasts with like, what's one question you have about this team moving forward? But like, do you have, you know, I, I don't know if it's a question or just any early thoughts on Alabama, Georgia. That's obviously what's on deck. And we're going to get into all of that, you know, over the next week or so. But like, what are what are the early thoughts about Alabama, Georgia for the SEC championship? Yeah, I mean, I think we hit on a lot of them um, about kind of our questions moving forward of, you know, what we saw uh, against Auburn and, and what that could mean against Georgia. Um, I, I just big picture wise, I've been very impressed by Carson Beck. I think that, you know, with there were a couple of teams, I would say, heading into the season that we viewed as, you know, national title contenders, but they had big question marks at quarterback. And I think that the three most prominent ones were Georgia, Alabama and Ohio State. Well, we saw Ohio State lose to Michigan and, you know, quarterback play played a pretty, pretty big reason in that. And Ohio State, regardless as to what ESPN's uh, wonky playoff predictor might be saying, Ohio State is essentially out unless just absolute mayhem happens. Georgia has been very good with Carson Beck. You've seen I've seen him get better over the course of the season. Of course, as we talked about a lot today, Jalen's done the same for Alabama. So that's kind of an interesting storyline for me, um, just in, from where we thought preseason what might either make or break these teams with the quarterback position uh, certainly looks like Georgia's in a very good place because of that. Um, I caught some of the Georgia tech game and uh, Georgia tech was, they were feisty. Uh, I mean, they, frisky. they yeah. yeah, frisky. I like that. Um, they, they were able to run the ball with some effectiveness and I was just trying to, you know, read a little bit about it. And it felt like some of the fans and, you know, kind of Georgia insiders were, disappointed about that effort and we're kind of like man if they play like this against Alabama they're going to lose so it's kind of interesting that both teams feel like they're coming off one of those tighter than expected rivalry games heading into a game that you know it might it's not officially because Alabama could still not make it if they win but feels like a national quarterfinal type game where if Georgia loses they're probably out uh, Bama loses they're absolutely out uh, and even if they win they might not get in Georgia if they win they're definitely in uh, but the stakes are Hi, the storylines are easy between Kirby and Nick, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see we'll see what kind of weirdness we get in Atlanta because um, I feel like I feel like we're gonna get some for sure. 
I feel like I it'll feel be like a uh, a hot like I not to say that the Iron Bowl was sloppy um, because it was a really fun game and it was really entertaining. Um, but there was I I just I don't know. I think we're going to see a lot more consistent higher level execution between, you know, a game between Alabama and Georgia. Um, what interests me the most, just kind of at a glance, is that these two teams, I think, are way more similar than not. And not just because Kirby came off of Saban's staff um, to take over at Georgia. And now they're, you know, kind of the new dynasty in, in college football. They both started the year with brand new starting quarterbacks who followed on campus legends, right? Bryce yeah. Young, Stetson Bennett. Um, a lot of talent everywhere else on the roster as they got rolling at the beginning of the year. Like I know Alabama took the loss to Texas, but like they didn't, they just, they didn't quite look as dominant as we maybe thought they would, right? Like Alabama lost to Texas, struggled with South Florida, um, looked good against Ole Miss, but then kind of had to eke out some games against A&M and Arkansas, um, you know, before they really finally hit their stride, I think in this, you know, starting the second half against Tennessee, um, Georgia the same way like they you know played around a little bit with Auburn didn't really put away teams until like what end of October early November that's when you really kind of saw Carson Beck and that offense take off and they kind of morphed into that death star um, that we've all kind of assumed that Georgia would be you know and now you know despite all of that despite you know kind of the highs and lows of the season and you know is Georgia gonna mess around and lose a game here and there is Alabama as good as they have been in recent years here we are Early December, I guess it's still late November, but by this next weekend, early December, it's Georgia, it's Alabama. It's kind of what we all thought it was going to be at the beginning of the year. Um, We'll hash out more about the playoff implications after we see what the rankings look like on Tuesday, but like very clearly playoff implications with this game in addition to the SEC championship game. Like these these two teams are just a lot more similar than different. Um, I think if we look a little bit closer at the details and their makeup is very different, right? Like their offense for Georgia runs through Brock Bowers, Alabama very much runs through Jalen Milrow. Um, the defense like Georgia, not quite maybe as deep, but still very talented, but maybe could be had a little bit. Alabama's defense has really rounded into form. And, you know, I, for now, maybe I'll think differently um, in a couple of days, but you know, that op- performance against Auburn, maybe a little bit of an aberration. We'll see. Um you know, and this is one of those games where it's kind of, you know, a, a clash of titans where it's, you know, win by any means necessary. And if you're Alabama and you get the dub, you know, you'll see where the rest of the dominoes fall with respect to the playoff. And, you know, again, we'll touch on that a little bit more on Tuesday, probably after the rankings come out. But just a very interesting game between two teams that I think are, are a lot more similar when you take a look at them. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's just I'm, I'm excited about it. I mean, I think it's going to be it's by far. Uh, well, maybe by far is a strong the stretch. I mean, I think Friday night's Oregon, Washington is obviously going to be hotly anticipated um, and should hopefully be a really good game too. But, you know, big 10, no offense to uh, your Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, probably not going to win that one, but like Bama, Georgia with everything at stake. And this is like SEC championship, the last SEC championship where it's East versus West. Like it's just going to be a fun game. You know, I think there's just a lot of, there's going to be a lot of buzz around this game. Um, I think I expect to, have a pretty, you know, I think it'll be a a great atmosphere. And so it just kind of, you know, this is going to be a long week in some ways for people like you and me, but I'm, I'm kind of ready to like, let's, let's get to it. I'm ready to play this game. Um, I'm excited to see what we actually get to see between these two teams who, like you said, we've been talking about all off season, like, all right, Bama versus Georgia, what's going to happen. Yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be a lot of fun. It's been a very fun season to this point. Um, and I'm excited to kind of see how it, you know, wraps up. If it wraps up, if it continues, um, we'll know more after the game 
this coming weekend. Um, in the lead up to this week, obviously the new playoff rankings come out on Tuesday. We're going to talk with Saban multiple times this week. We'll have some stories and other content on Bama 247 um, to get you guys ready for the SEC championship game. Any final thoughts on the Iron Bowl or the early look ahead to Alabama, Georgia, John, before we sign off? No, I mean, I think it's, I've, I think I've expanded, uh, expounded them all. Um, I don't know. So sometimes I've, I've rewatched that play numerous times and it still kind of boggles the mind a little bit. Uh, I'm sure I'll continue to watch it. Just all the things that had to happen for that moment. But uh, I'm just excited for you, Cody, that you got introduced to the Iron Bowl um, in about as weird of a way as possible. So welcome. Welcome to the, this is your, that's like your official like introduction initiation into uh into the society. I've uh, I've popped my Jordan hair voodoo cherry. I get it. Yeah. I believe it. I've seen it live. Like it, it's funny. Like I, like somebody asked Malachi Moore afterwards, like, dude, like how many texts do you have on your phone? Like after a game like that? And he's like, I haven't even checked it yet. Like my phone was pinging like crazy after that game. And we're like trying to get some stuff finalized. We're trying to write some stuff. We're trying to go down and do interviews. And my phone is just like, you know, my brothers are texting me. I got friends who are texting me like, you know, where were you? Were you on the field? How does it compare? Yada, yada, yada. Like that was, you know, hands down one of the coolest, biggest, baddest sporting events, sporting moments that I think I've ever seen. Um, you know, and like, I'd like to think I've seen a lot of them, most of them probably in the, you know, wrestling circles and whatnot, just like, you know, state championships, NCAA championships, you know, Olympic stuff. Um, but like for that to be like, the first time I get to see the Iron Bowl live, like going to be hard to top that in the years ahead. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, that's all we've got today, guys. Appreciate you tuning in. As always, we'll be back uh, maybe multiple times this week. I know we kind of took the Thanksgiving holiday and weren't able to get a show out to you later last week. So we'll try and make it up to you this week. Um, in the meantime, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, even our Bama 247 YouTube page. Subscribe to Bama 247 and 247 Sports. We have a Black Friday special that I believe is going to linger into Cyber Monday. 75% off an annual subscription. So uh, cash in on that, especially if you're an Alabama fan. But really, if you're just a college sports fan in general, absolutely take advantage of that deal. Put a link to that in the show notes. Um, thank you again, John, for joining me. Appreciate you guys listening as always. And we will talk to you guys again soon.